I'm Derek. And I'm Leah. And this is Let's Talk Outdoors. Today we are talking with Rebecca Bassett from Back 40 Wilderness First Aid. In this conversation, we talk about trip preparedness, whether you're going on an hour-long hike, an adventure with your family, or with students. All right, Rebecca, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you. Uh, so we have we're, we're talking kind of how to be prepared, how to preparedness a little bit today. Um, I guess one thing, maybe I I want to get off like out of the way first of all. When lots of people think about like preparedness or being prepared. Uh, I think there's probably a big difference between, you know, the idea of being prepared and being a prepper. I'm using like Mm -hmm. air quotes in here when I say prepper, right? Uh, (laughs) I think some people, when they hear the term being prepared, they think like a bunker in the desert loaded up with food. Right. But that's, that's not where we're going today. We're going like, like what's, what's the difference there? Like is obviously there's a place where you can get too prepared where it consumes you. I, I don't think we're talking about the apocalypse right now. Mm-hmm. Is 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 that where you're going with that? Yeah, like I mean, yeah. do you have an apocalypse plan? Is that part of your? Uh, no, no, okay. I, I don't have a bunker, okay. but I do hope that the things that we have for our you know backcountry tripping will come yeah. in handy for the short term. Should okay. the apocalypse ever happen? Excellent. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, let's let's dig into there. <laughs> So one of the things I think that, you know, when people think about preparedness, um, it's kind of a message that I've been trying to sort of find the right words for lately is that uh, for anybody going, you know, on on an adventure for a day, whether it's themselves or a small group of friends or family, I think people are pretty good at thinking about, you know, what they need for that particular day. Like they take the probably water and snacks and maybe an extra jacket just in case. Um, but there, there is a difference between being prepared for a day trip and being prepared to potentially stay overnight or deal with an emergency from my perspective anyway. And so a water bottle and extra jacket isn't going to do very well for us if we have to spend this unexpected night, uh, out mm-hmm. and, and, you know, if you're preparing to backpack, backpack and camp overnight, then that's you're ready for that. But most day trippers are not ready to spend, you know, six to eight hours or all the way overnight longer than they had anticipated. So that's, I think, what I I want to get that message out. Right. Mm-hmm. Even if you're not planning for an overnight, you like even if you're not going on an overnight, maybe thinking about could I be ready for an overnight? Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly myself, I'm not necessarily ready to set up a massively luxurious camp and spend an <laughs> unexpected overnight. Like I, I'm not going to have my tent with me. I'm, I'm maybe lucky if I have a, you know, a lightweight blanket or a down blanket, but I might not have that either. But do I have clothing layers and do I have reliable light and can I make a fire and can I put up a shelter if the weather changes and can I spend hours maybe not necessarily in full comfort but can i spend the night without potentially risking you know my safety or my life even in some cases you talk about what that might look like like i'm thinking of even my own family we're going out hiking for a couple hours in the afternoon um what kind of things should we be thinking about making sure that we have with us 
I think, um, you know, there's a lot of like, for example, Adventure Smart pushes the the essentials, whether it's the 10 essentials, you think about it, the 11 essentials. Um, and and within all the categories of the essentials, you know, there's different sort of extremes, right? It, it, taking a bit lighter is certainly a fire starter, but do you have fuel and, you know, a spare lighter and stormproof matches, you know, and do you have the skill set to do that? So when you think about going with your family, you know, I think the biggest thing that I think most people really aren't prepared for, not necessarily even in just gear, but also skill set, is putting up a quick improvised shelter if the weather changes. You know, a, a, a tarp overhead um, to shelter you and your kids from, you know, a downpour or wind that's just howling. And it, it sort of, you know, it was forecasted, but you didn't think it would get that bad or, you know, something has changed and you're not really mobile right now. So how do you protect yourself from those elements? And I think a lot of people do quite well with the whole water and snacks and extra clothing, but I, I don't think they necessarily prepare for that shelter concept and you know, um, you know, we don't start fires everywhere, but if I really needed to, could I, um, mm -hmm. or do I have the means to, to create some sort of warmth or light for my family? And, you know, as the days get longer now, it's nice, but when the dead of the winter, you know, our days were shorter and darkness set in a lot earlier and especially for your family. I mean, something happens where you're not going home anytime soon. That fire is a source of light and comfort, right? Mm -hmm. So, that to me is it, you don't need to be an extremist to think about being able to put up a shelter and start a fire, you know, and take care of whatever has delayed you, whether it be an injury or just a mishap or uh, soaking wet boots, you know, or yeah. whatever it may be. So how uh, I think there's two parts of this uh, in like being prepared you, and you touched on both. There is like having some stuff that you might need and also understanding how to use that stuff. Like, I, I think, you know, I've spent uh, with my grade eights, I've, we've put in a, a lot of time, you know, working on fires and fire building. And um, there's like, you know, best friend relationships that have been destroyed by trying to start a fire with flint and steel. Like in the in the moment, I think, you know, so I have my tarp, it's in my bag. Like how how much time should I be spending like practicing with these things? What, what should that look like for the skills? You know, it's it's been really interesting over this this uh, winter season because, you know, people have been somewhat isolated. They're not doing a lot of group activities. And I've noticed um, seeing people in their backyards putting up a tarp or on, you know, a day trip where they're going on a hike that they're trying to start their own, you know, little fire for lunch or something. Um, it, it honestly, it sort of intrigues me when people buy new gear, have this stuff in their bag, but have literally never taken it out of its package. They, they, lots of people might carry a small tarp or a poncho tarp or, or nothing at all, really. But the tarp, especially they have a tarp, but they don't even have rope. They don't even have paracord, <laughs> you know, like I don't care how many knots you have to tie. I am not a knot person. So if I have to put something up, I at least have the rope and I'll tie a hundred knots if I have to and cut it down later, you know, but if I want to get better at that, then I have to take that stuff out and go practice with it. I can't just watch a YouTube video and expect myself to know how to do it. So I think, I think we need to start thinking about, you know, our adventure day trip, like even, you know, with your families is when you take that gear out of the bag, it can become a new sort of playtime. It's a new discovery time. 
And, you know, you engage your kids with a challenge of putting it up or creating a shelter or building a mini camp for lunch. And it, it shows them that the things are in the bag. It shows them that it's okay we take it out. It shows them that it's a tool that we can use whenever we want to. And, and then all of a sudden it isn't a chore. Like turn it into part of your day because those days are practice days for the day that it potentially is actually really needed, right? So I would say just add it into your trip plan for that day. It's plus, I mean, especially with kids, it gives them something to do. <laughs> okay. That's a cool idea. Even like practicing and playing with it. Like, uh, I mean, there might be a time when you as the adult are the one who's in trouble and I might be relying on my young humans to like maybe help do some stuff because I'm you slightly know, incapacitated or something. So that's, that's a great idea. It's totally true. We take that for granted as adults, right? Is that we are invincible and, and our, our, our little humans, I mean, even, even a four-year-old can follow simple instructions and do things that they've seen done or have, you know, had some repetitious practice with before mm -hmm. you just got to put it in their hands and let them play. Um, so that way, when it's not, when it is real, uh, that it, it still feels like play. It still feels like what they've done before. Um, even for ourselves, honestly, as adults, if, if you put a tarp up in some sort of wind, then you can put it up in wind again, you know? And so why not do it when it's not stressful? Yeah. <laughs> right. Like <laughs> where there's no reason you could, your car could be five feet from you just do it. Right. So yeah. it removes the stress really is what it does. I like that. I like Cause that. we're talking about kids. Um, what do you recommend? Do you recommend kids carry their own stuff or how do you usually divide up the I, gear when you're going out? I do. Um, you know, I think obviously age appropriate, but I look back when my kids were younger, you know, four or five years old, started having their own backpack. Um, they always had their own little first aid kit. They always had their own little like inflatable ground seat pad. They always had their own um, poncho and silver blanket. Um, they had their own like bug spray and sunscreen and, and they carried their own extra pair of socks and mini mitts and a toque. Um, you know, it wasn't until I think when they were older, you know, into this 12 year old range where I started putting, um, you know, maybe another emergency uh, tarp, I, I have different sizes of them. So, you know, I, I might put the small one in one of the kids backpacks, but then I'll, I'll keep the real reliable shelter in my own. But why would we not start the introduction of our children carrying some of their own essentials. Like as a parent, why would I carry five pairs of extra socks? Why wouldn't I put a, it into my kids' backpacks and yeah. each one of those children have their own backpack. And it's not about carrying the load. It's about teaching them that this is your, this is your stuff. This is your responsibility. This, you know, there should be a point of pride in that. Um, and you know, it's cool to watch them pack their bags. And to be honest with you, four and five-year-olds can do that. You just, you just change a little bit. Like you don't put the big stuff in there. Um, they can carry their extra jacket. They can carry their flashlight. Little four-year-olds love flashlights. So why would we not put a flashlight in their own backpack? And if they play with it and burn out five pairs of batteries, who cares? Because it has created their, their knowledge that they can use this stuff. It's not just there for just in case they should be able to use it. Mm -hmm. And so start, start young, honestly, and, and tailor that to what your kids maturity and a sort of experiences within your own, you know, experiences as a family and go from there. Plus it lightens your load. Why would you want to carry all that? <laughs> 
make them carry their own water. Yeah. So you, you talked a little bit about what you, what you pack with your kids, but, um, you know, I've read about different things like, okay, you should have this stuff on your body. You should have, you know, always just in case you lose your backpack or you should have this stuff in your bag. Like, are there, um, we don't want to make it all about gear, but are there things that you should always have? I think you kind of talked on lighting fires and flashlights. Are there other things that you should. I, I think, I think the first thing I would do is sort of assess, you know, what I think the risk is for where I'm going you know, I think that, you know, uh, if I'm paddling it, there is always a potential I can be separated from my boat. So what little fanny pack do I wear? What's in my PFD? Um, and you know, the couple, like I, I, I'm a big proponent of having my inreach with me wherever, but to be honest with you, when I do a local day hike, it's, it's in my backpack, it's not on me, you know? So, but for me, some of the staples are uh, my own knife is always in my pocket on my pants or my belt. You know, my um, cell phone is usually on me in my own pocket, not in my backpack. Um, I try very hard not to lose my backpack. It's strapped on well, so that 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 is always with me. But when I, I think when the paddling part is the one thing I've personally started to put more thought into um, because we can become complacent in the places where we are, where we know the waterways or it's a, you know, a, a river system that's mild right now, but, but practice where it's safe. So that it becomes habit where it may not be. And the longer you go away or those, you know, places where there might be some white water or stormy weather mm-hmm. is that fanny pack concept or the PFD that's packed has the, the lighter, the fire starter, the knife, you know, a communication device. Um, I, emergency silver blankets are not going to solve all your problems, but they do, they're very lightweight and packable. So it's very easy to put that into a pack, um, like a pouch or a pocket or something. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not a complete insurance policy, but at least it's something small that if you get separated from those things or it's on you. Mm-hmm. Right. But I do think it has to be based on what you, your risk assessment is. Otherwise you'd be carrying pockets full of, of gear, and, and it doesn't match what you're doing, you know, yeah. a, a one hour hike with your family at Ebbs trails in the fall, you're not likely to get separated from your backpack. Yeah. You know, so it becomes cumbersome it to, be to, to yeah. make it unenjoyable to do what you're doing. That's right. But if, if I'm going to a mountainous region where I'm unfamiliar with the area and I'm into, you know, elevated areas, then I'm probably going to reassess that because one slip and fall, and things go flying, I, I don't want to be left with nothing. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be left with my backpack, uh, a canyon down. So. <laughs> <laughs> Keep your cell phone on you at least, right? Yeah. <laughs> I hope it works. <laughs> There's other people that will say the opposite that, you know, especially really prepared, you know, backcountry enthusiasts will always have, I think then, you know, a knife is a standard item. Um, the fire starter is a standard item. Um, either a map or a communication device is a standard item. Like those are things that are just the tools that you always have available to you. And that can, you know, change with where you are. I'm going snowmobiling next week. I should have a knife in my pocket and some, you know, fire starter in my other pocket because I very well could lose a sled in a slough or a creek or in the lake. And I don't want to lose all of my gear. So I think you have to choose wisely though. That was where I was going to go next was we wanted to ask about 
being underprepared versus being perhaps overprepared or carrying too much gear. Can you talk to yeah, that a bit? It's someone asked me if I had a weight scale in my garage for my pack and I don't know what my pack weighs. So don't even, don't even ask me about weight and grams and all that. Um, I, I think, I think you have to ask yourself, well, how much are you comfortable with? Um, my, my fitness level and my strength right now is, is good. It's healthy. So I, I can carry the weight of the items that I choose to go with. Um, I am not okay with not having a tarp. I, I will not do a backcountry hike, even if it's for an hour without some sort of tarp. Um, it may not be a large one. It's not a big blue one that I would take canoeing, but I will have some sort of emergency tarp system. Um, so I will carry that weight. Um, but I think in this day and age, um, the pursuit of, you know, there are items that are more ultra light. They're geared towards, you know, being a, a lower weight. Um, we don't have to carry big blue tarps. We buy it, you know, home hardware and Canadian tire anymore, you know, and it's sort of that continual upgrading of gear to have the items that maybe now are lighter weight so that I, I'm not cumbersome. Mm -hmm. Um, there are options out there now, just because I say a tarp doesn't mean it's always an eight by 10 or 10 by 10. It might be a five by seven one day. It might be, you know, a silver blanket one day. So I think there's, there's sort of, as you adventure, you start to have gear piles and you, you choose selectively from those things. <laughs> and when you're going with people, that's how you share that load. So if each of your chi children have something in their pack that reduces the overall weight of your own pack as the adult or adults in the group. Right. So, uh, I don't know. I just, what are you comfortable not having? I, if you are comfortable not having for me, in my case, I really am a big pusher for some sort of tarp. If you are comfortable with not having that, do you have a reliable weight rain jacket with a hood? You know, like, cause that'll be your only last shelter, you know, and, you know, the extremists in bushcraft will start building shelters and cutting down spruce boughs and, you know, that's fine and all, but if it's starting to rain and, and be windy, then you're already wet. Mm -hmm. So I think you have to really gauge where your comfort is. Um, and I'm just not comfortable anymore, not having tarp first aid kit, extra water bottle and extra clothes. Like, the tools of the knife and the headlamp and the, you know, um, fire starter, those are quite small. Those stay in the pack all the time, but the size of the tarp and the extra clothing weight and how many water bottles I carry will change depending on where we're going, mm -hmm. but I'm not comfortable not having them anymore. You know, could, could you maybe run through, like if you're thinking about like an hour long hike or a half day trip or an overnight, or like there's lots of different variations, right? If I'm going on a, on a trip in the bush with my kids for an hour versus if I, if we're going canoeing in the Churchill for a week, like that would be very different. Would there, but would there be commonalities, common things that you would do yep. if you're going to like think about, you're going to start planning a trip? Are there things that you would think about that would be similar? Yeah, I think like, let's, let's think from the day hiker perspective, right? Because if you're canoeing and, and camping with your family, your, your packing list is pages long, right? Yeah. And you will have the ability to take those things. So let's think about the day hiker, which is usually the most unprepared person. So if we go further into like more places like, you know, BC and Alberta, where there, there are more rescues and more calls for assistance, it's the day hiker that generally is the one that is not prepared to be out. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there, there are some things that my backpack will not change. 
I have a pouch of my tools and my compass and my fire starter and my knife and my little gadgets that like my repair kit, those are always in there and that will move from one bag to another. Um, I will never go on a single one hour day hike without a headlamp or flashlight in a backpack because just because and I, if I have to look in your ear to get a bug out of your ear, I've got a headlamp, you know? <laughs> so so it, it's multi-purpose, but, but the thing is a one hour situ, you know, event or adventure can turn into an injury or a problem and it's now getting dark. So it costs me no, no weight really to put a headlamp and a couple spare batteries in that does not change. Um, the the extra jacket and the extra pair of socks never changes how many extra layers for warmth i might add will change right obviously if i if i if i'm going for the day i will always plan for the coldest part of the day plus something wet so there's always an extra pair of socks there's always some sort of insulated jacket there's always an extra sweater just in case so those things don't change um you know, I don't, I don't necessarily pack my stove and my, um, you know, my jet boil and all those things for one, you know, a one hour hike because I carry what I reasonably expect to be enough water, but there are aqua tabs or maybe a small water filter in my pack. Cause it just stays there. Mm-hmm. So, so I think when we look at the essentials of, of, you know, a relatively safe outdoor adventure, we just, I think we should always add for the duration or the risk level, but I don't think we should ever completely go without. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, obviously in the winter here, I'm not taking bug spray. Like I might leave that behind. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I, I have forgotten sunscreen one time and I sure wished I had it, you know, on a nice sunny day like today. So eventually those things just kind of stay in the pack. I know that many people have systems now that they just go to a drawer and they have it laid out or a packing list. And, and I think that you should set that for what you're comfortable having. Are there other things uh, to like to think about in planning that trip? Like, are you, um, uh, you, you know, if you're going out for a short run, should you be like prepping a map? Should you be like, you know, how into the weather do I need to get? Like, how are there, do yeah. I need to like call somebody and be, Hey, I'm going to the bush for an hour. Like how, you know, are there other preparedness, not just gear that I should think about? Yeah, I think so. Like you, I mean, Derek, you hit on three things like that are, yes, it, it comes to mind, right? Like I often, I live in the Saskatoon area. So if I go for even just a quick one hour hike around the riverbank trails, which are amazing. And, you know, they're an urban rural interface. I forget how simple it is to text someone back home and say, I'm going for an hour walk from this parking lot. And many times I don't. So what happens if I twist an ankle and am an hour late from getting home and my little humans are wondering where supper is? (laughs) They don't, they don't even know where I am because I didn't tell them, Mm. you know, so a a simple trip plan, like I'm all for trip planning, but to be honest with you in our day-to-day, like easy stuff that I think we're all very comfortable with a simple text message to your mom or the grandma or your friend and saying, I'm going out here. I'm gone for an hour. See you. Um, check back in when you're done. It's such simple habits and it doesn't feel like you've made this five page trip plan out for one hour hike. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, the other part about checking the weather, like a lot of people check the weather for what it is right now. Like if I was going to wonder, you asked me, is it warm out? And I think it is. So let me check the weather. 
Mm-hmm. But did I check the weather for tonight at like midnight? Mm. Because if I'm going to go walk my dogs, you know, for an hour, it's about the weather that's coming later, not what is right now, you know? So it's not hard to use, you know, your Environment Canada app and just check what's coming ahead, you know? And obviously the further you go, there's some people that check every wind speed and, you know, <laughs> precipitation and humidity. And, and there's a time and a place for that, but you taking your family for a hike, I think you just want to know what the weather's going to be at eight o'clock tonight if things are delayed. And, and for me, I, I say this a lot is that, gosh, we're so lucky how we go out for these day trips and we have these adventures in our, you know, backyard oasis that we seem to have in this province. But, but really we are one really bad sprained ankle away from not getting back to the car on time. And you think about it as parents, if that's your ankle and, and you're not moving very fast, that's, that's that. It doesn't have to be a massive accident. It doesn't have to be, you know, a a traumatic event. It can literally be something as inconvenient as a sprained ankle and you are one to two, possibly even more hours late. So I don't know, like, I think that you should, should think about that. And if every day you come back, you don't have a sprained ankle or a problem, then lucky you. (laughs) Then you had a good day. Right. So just don't take for, take it for granted. I think a lot of people do that. So the more that we go out and we do these day trips where we had a great day, it's almost building a complacency. And I bet you if we all think about it, we're pretty complacent in the places where we feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. So does that mean I should leave my backpack at home or not tell somebody where I'm going when I go walk the dogs for an hour and a half? No, that doesn't that doesn't really make it right. I was thinking about how you talked about now you don't go anywhere with a tarp. So it sounds like maybe as you've learned more things and developed your own skills, it's changed your comfort level with different things. Well, it's kind of a vague question, but can you talk no, about it? It has like, obviously from my perspective too, I, I feel like I need to practice what I preach. Right. So um, I have the privilege of being able to have some, some options available to me. Like, I, I started out with a heavy tarp and it was ridiculous. I was always wanting to leave it behind. And so, you know, I waited, I asked for a birthday and Christmas and I got a lighter weight tarp and, and I'm happy with the size of it and I'm happy with the weight of it and it fits well within my stuff and having to had to use it a few times when least expected, when other members of my group were like, why are you bringing all that stuff? Well, here, how about you come huddle underneath my tarp with me while it rains? Oh, is that hail? You know, like at some point you have a day where you're like, darn, I'm really glad I brought that tarp. And it validates why you take it every time. Yeah. So, so now it's like, you know, I, I try to practice what I preach because I think that it's, it's about, you know, setting the example. Um, I've had to use it a couple of times. So therefore it's, it's a comfort. It's a luxury item I am willing to carry but it has done good things. And I know what it can do for me if things go wrong Mm -hmm. and I'm not talking just the weather, right? So from my perspective, it might be if there is an injury or I have to move, my spouse is heavier than me. I could drag him back to the car if I have to, if I have a tarp, but I ain't dragging him by his pants all the way back to the car because it's, it's so cumbersome, but the tarp, I can drag any 200 pound guy down a trail. 
you know, hopefully it's a grassy one in the pr- province of Saskatchewan, yeah. but <laughs> you know, it's not through gravel. Yeah. No, well, that's not for him, but <laughs> as long as it's not like boulders, <laughs> so, you know, so, so has it happened? No, but I have it. If it is a tool, it is a tool in my, in my backpack. Right. And so I don't know, it's built up a comfort level now, so I might as well take it. We've talked a little bit about, uh, you know, self and family. If, if I, I'm just going to switch gears a little bit. Like if I'm taking as a teacher, taking a group of students out are there, do you think that there's other things that I should consider or other, uh, ways that I should prepare for that trip differently? I, I think that, you know, outdoor educators are in a great position now, um, to start, you know, having the expectations of students that they are carrying a certain amount of minimal gear, Mm-hmm. their own extra socks, their own extra whatever. Um, as a teacher, uh, you can set the expectations whether or not you have, you know, a couple extra, you know, essential items, like maybe it's a tarp or some fire starter spread out between, you know, four or five of them mm-hmm. so that you you yourself cannot carry all the gear for, you know, an 18 student class or a 12 student class or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. But but as as a leader in the capacity that I am, which is similar to, you know, that teacher role, I'm still going to have my tarp. I am still going to have my first aid kit. I am still going to have my own fire starting kit that the students can certainly use if needed. But I would divide up amongst, you know, smaller groups of them to be able to share those essentials as well. When you're doing just little trips, um, say you're just going from the school out to a nature trail near the school or something like that you know, the habit of taking my backpack is for my water and snacks and extra jacket, but I, I would be quite certain my tarp and first aid kit and, and my tool kit is still in there anyway, cause it's mm-hmm. just a part of my, my pack. Um, so, you know, it. I think it's great to start teaching younger students in these outdoor ed classes, uh, the responsibility of starting to be more independent and self-reliant. And if that's between a group of them that then slowly becomes individual, that's, that's a good way to start. Uh And, you know, is it cumbersome and big, you know, maybe, but, but that's why they learn to share the load. And that way you are not necessarily with, with the weight of all of their protection or what ifs. Right. Uh But I, I don't know, as, as a leader, it would be, it would be hard not to have those things because it is your responsibility if something goes wrong or has changed in your weather or your situation that you are capable of dealing with them. So, so at the very least, I think I would have enough for, you know, one problem to be managed and a tarp can handle, you know, a couple kids anyway. Can you talk a little bit about how what you pack changes between seasons? I, yeah, not much actually. I mean, the things that change, honestly, is the environmental stuff. So for me, it's the it's the extra layers um, in the winter. I usually have my own toucan mitts on, but there's always another full set in my pack. Um, in the summer, I think we become complacent because it's nice out. But remember, it's not not as nice and warm out at 10 o'clock at night. So in the summer, I actually still have a lightweight toque and I still have a pair of mini mitts um, or lightweight gloves because I just, I just do. Um, I find it very hard to leave the jacket at home, even in the summer, 
Um, you know, so just in the winter, it's going to be the heavier jackets, the warmer layers. So it's more the environmental things I think that change, but the tools themselves, the, you know, the, the fire starter, the tools, the knives, the tarp, the first aid kit, that stuff doesn't change. It's, it is standard across the seasons. Um, you know, the bug spray and maybe a bug net and, and sunscreen is going to be more prevalent, obviously in the summer. Um, and in the summer, the other big weight is water, right? Because, um, I notoriously don't drink enough water, but I still pack that minimum two liters. Mm-hmm. When you start getting into three and four liters of fluids of packing that, that's that's a heavy amount yeah. of weight. <laughs> and then can, people complain about a tarp, you know? So like it, it's sometimes where, you know, that is cumbersome, but if I don't have access to water, um, I have been on a couple trips where two liters was not enough. And so it was a little scary to think, what would we do if we didn't have the ability to go home when we did? So I think that'll be the big thing that I'm going to start changing is how to better carry water, whether it's a bladder or um, collapsible containers that are soft, um, some of those flasks and stuff that are soft sided. So because carrying two stainless steel Nalgene's or thermoses just yeah. is so heavy. Right. Yeah. So, but outside of that guys, the, I, I, the day tripper is the one that's not prepared to stay longer. And so in the summer, you know, you get your feet wet in a Creek and you twist an ankle and you're two hours late back to the car and now you're cold. And, and that's where people start getting into trouble. The consequence usually though, in a summer overnight is far less dangerous than the consequence in a winter overnight. Right. So we, we do have those extremes of temperatures where it can certainly change your health very, very quickly. Um, but you can suffer from hypothermia in the summer. So it's still something I think that we need to, to think about that. Right. Um, and I'm, a, I'm a, I'm a small female, so I'm always cold. So I'm always taking an extra sweater. Whereas, you know, my spouse might leave something at home and I know for sure there's been times where he's like, I really wish I had a sweater. Yeah. Well, didn't bring one that fits you, you know? So, so that's the thing too, is that I can't carry extra for everyone. Yeah. You know, my kids can wear my sweater, but my spouse can't. So I, I think it's just, everybody just has to carry something, mm-hmm. make it easier. Right. You've talked uh, quite a few times about uh first aid kit. Are there, you know, like what, what sort of skill set or gear or like, what should you pre- maybe be reasonably prepared to do? Should I have a, you know, a face mask with me all the time? Do I need like tons of gauze? Like what, what do I, what, what do I need to maybe know how to do? What would be reasonable? I, I think, um, I think people sometimes think that I have this massive med kit, like I'm ready to do surgery in the yeah. back country. <laughs> you did some sutures. I, yeah. I don't. <laughs> so I, I try to really keep it simple. So here's the thing. Most first aid kits that we pick up at any retail store, it doesn't matter the brand, don't, it doesn't matter for this conversation. Most of them are pretty equipped to handle like the small things, the blisters and, you know, the Band-Aid stuff. Um, as, as a parent, we're all parents here, I like to keep the Band-Aid separate. So a Ziploc bag, keep it simple. <laughs> and, and keep those blister and, and Band-Aid separate. I think a first aid kit when I look at it is, is most of the time, First aid kits, in my opinion, need to be equipped to be ha- to be able to handle one serious injury. So, for example, 
in outdoor settings, and especially in backcountry settings, we really don't want to lose an unnecessary amount of blood. So if I fall and cut my forehead, which is a very common thing, then I want my first aid kit to be able to have the tools to deal with bleeding. Well, band-aids are not going to do that. So in my, I always say this, but triangles keep your clothes on. So my first aid kits have a minimum of two triangles. They have one tensor bandage for who knows what's going to come up with even whiny kids that say they hurt their ankle, but they didn't, you know, right. It's a peace of mind, <laughs> but tensors deal with bleeding. And I always have two gauze rolls. So two gauze rolls, two tensor band or one tensor bandage and two triangles. And I can deal with a significant wound. I can deal with a sprained ankle. I can deal, I can make you a splint if I have to out of basically five items. But those five items are not usually in first aid kits we buy. In fact, you will hard be hard pressed to find a triangle in most like commercial first aid kits until you get to a much higher price point. Mm -hmm. They're a dollar. They're literally like a dollar to a dollar fifty. So, so to me, and you can make them, right? So to me, if I have two triangles in my first aid kit, then I can leave a shirt on. <laughs> I don't really like to take my clothing off when I do first aid. So, so like it that's it more the truth for the people you're rescuing. It does. Yeah. But it's also think about that. Most of the day trippers only brought maybe one extra sweater or they're wearing the clothing they intended to wear for the day. So yeah. this spare stuff is actually someone's pie in the sky idea of they'll just use their shirt, yeah. but they don't understand the consequence of that. Yeah. Um, buffs like or neck tubes or whatever you want to call them oftentimes are used as well, but you know, those, if I'm going into that stuff, that means that I probably need more than what my first aid kit has. And that's why I love that my first aid kit can with five items kind of handle a lot of things that I trust. I know how to manage with those things. Mm -hmm. And if my kit has two, two gauze rolls, two triangles and one tensor bandage and my spouse or my kids, cause my kids actually have those ones too. And now I know I have four. Yeah. Now I know I have, you know, double. And so plus kids like to have their own little tensor bandages. Let them play with it. Let them fix their own ankle or wrist. Let them yeah. see what it feels like because it's also a toy and a tool, but it's there if you need it, if something actually really did happen. So I don't think they have to be big kits. I could fit most of that stuff in a sandwich size Ziploc bag. Like mm -hmm. you don't have to be big and elaborate. You just have to be strategic right? Uh -huh. So, so those are the, those are the things I like to see in first aid kits. There's obviously more, like I could go on for hours about all the little things and gadgets you can put into first aid kits. But <laughs> if you skin your knee, I can wrap gauze around it. If you, you know, cut your hand, I can put a triangle on it and then wrap some gauze around it. If it's bleeding a lot, I can use a tensor bandage. It's, it's very versatile. So uh -huh. those are my five, three items, I guess. I like separating out the band-aids. You have like an owie kit and then mm -hmm. like a, a first aid kit. I like that. Yeah, absolutely. And putting character band-aids too, because kids like those ones. <laughs> so often uh, lately I've been going hiking quite a bit with my friends and their kids and my kids. Um, and I'm often the only one that's carrying a backpack. Um, so I feel like I'm in a position where I might be like the unofficial 
yeah. emergency person. Um, and just wondering like how to deal with that or if I need to like, how do I approach that or mm. if, what your experience I, with that? You know, well, okay. So if I would be true and classic to myself, I like to use like the fear of what if, uh, and guilt as strategies. <laughs> <laughs> now I say that with a sense of humor. So if you think about it as if these are, you know, your, your peers, your mom friends, right. Yeah. Um, I think it's worth a tabletop talk about, you know, what if something happened to the kids or ourselves or it started to pour rain and we didn't expect it. And you just start with those, like, you know, sort of dreamy imaginary, what if conversations. Um, I think the fact that you've already been leading by example is, is a good place to start. It's not, it will not go unnoticed that you have the backpack. Um, I also really like to say like, but if I have, one and you have one, we now have two. But in the backcountry, I, I don't know if you've heard this before, but one is none. If if you're if your only lighter doesn't work, you don't have one. You know, and so it it doesn't mean that they maybe have to carry all these, you know, survival things. Um, but I love that what if conversation. It's where it's where preparedness starts. What if it rains? I'm going to carry my jacket. What if the kids fall and skin the skin right off their knee? Well, then I should have a couple things in my first aid kit. You know, as adults, we're not getting any younger. So the next time I trip and fall and break my wrist, what do I have to deal with that? Like, what if this happens? And it's not to make us afraid to go outside. It's just for you. It starts the conversation. It opens it up for you to be able to suggest, hey, well, why don't, you carry a backpack too, or even, I don't know, to be honest with you, be direct. Why don't you, why don't you have a backpack? <laughs> I'm not sharing my snacks with you. That drives me crazy, but uh, <laughs> I have enough snacks for this much. And then all the other kids are like, I love a snack. And people are like, I didn't bring any snack. I'm like, mm, these are <laughs> rations. Now I have to share. Yeah. But I think as adults, I think honestly, when I, I have lots of these conversations with people, I don't know. And it, it literally comes down to, they never thought about it. And it's not, it's not a criticism. It's not, um, it's not to say like, oh, how dare you need not be prepared. But it's like, if, if we are doing these things and we're finding joy in the outdoors, we're going to start pushing ourselves further. And as adults, especially as parents, mm -hmm. I think all of us want our kids to come to us someday and say, like, I'm going with my friends and we're going here and we're going to see you in a couple hours or tomorrow. Like, yeah. that will be such a great day. I'll be so proud. But we have to show them now. So if you're doing these things already as a family and friend group, just talk about it. Like, why, why would we carry these things? Why do you not have a backpack with you? Um, you know, I'm just genuinely curious. And I bet you for the most part, it's because they never even thought about it. We have so many great days in the backcountry where everything stays safe and we come home with no incident that we don't even think about it. We don't think about our cell phone dying. We don't think about dropping it on a rock. We don't think about dropping it in the lake. We don't think about our kid choking on a mini carrot at lunch. We do not think about some rabid porcupine chewing on your ankle. <laughs> you know, like, think about it, right? Like dream it up. 
Yeah. Because you will start to change the way your culture feels in, in your own little group of adventure friends. I like that idea, even with students of like, uh, we're taking a group of kids out with my grade eights. It could be, you know, regularly as we're out. Okay. Let's just pause. Let's do a quick scenario. What would we do if this happened? Mm-hmm. And then just to like generate conversations. Uh, I like that idea. I think that'd be not. And it, like you said, not to scare, but just to think about it. Does anybody have something that we could deal with this? Yep. I, I think as educators, um, you're in a, you're in a position, you're teaching, you know, these kids on a, you know, a daily basis. I, I, as an educator, you know, I get a couple days with a couple students and that is it, that is why it's the, it's the for planning. It's the gift of foresight. And the more realistic you keep it, um, the more aware we are, right? Like the more we're not surprised when it actually does happen. You know, and I love challenging the kids, like drop everything and figure out how you'd solve this problem right now. Right. Like, or what do you have? And it starts to show them that, you know, they're responsible for being able to manage things as well. And so Derek's talking about kids, but it would be not much different, Leah, with your social circle. Is that, you know, because someday you might not be there. So mm-hmm. I think. I think you lead by example and you start the conversation and you know, whatever tack that is on your end, but you've always led by example that way. So I think starting the conversation would come from a point of like just genuine concern and, and sort of motivation for those people to also adopt that preparedness sort of mindset. So. I think what you touched on about cell phones is a big factor too, is that people just assume that they're always going to have their cell phone and it will work and they will be able to get out of any sticky situation, mm-hmm. not necessarily yeah. recognizing that some things need to be dealt with maybe faster than that, or that they might be able to help themselves out of a situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cell phones, cell phones have really become a crutch, obviously. And I mean, I'm just as guilty and responsible for that. Um, it's, it's so interesting to me when it's frigid tempers that we've had right now, you know, everybody's like, I took five photos and my phone died. I told you so, like, of course it did, (laughs) you know? And so there's always a battery pack. My cell phone always, I always stick a a hot toe, those, those hot hands, hot toe things. I always stick a hot toe to the cell phone uh, itself on the backside. So it's got, you know, heat within my own pocket. Um, You know, like I try to keep that phone alive because I know it's my crutch. But I can't fix it if it breaks. I can't fix it if I take a photo and pass it to, you know, my kid and they drop it on a rock. I never thought of that before. Put a hot toe on the back of a phone. It's a good idea. It literally came from desperation. <laughs> like, I'm not the genius that thought of it. But when you're, you're when your cell phone's dying and it's such a great day, so picture worthy, right? That yeah. it it's true. And it was hot hands in the pocket because we put it into our, everybody thinks that if they put it into their, you know, their chest pocket or their inside pocket of their jacket, but it's still minus 40 out. Yeah. And so um, I always put the, the a couple hot hands in there anyway. And then I stick that to its case and it, it has not let me down since. So well, we, we have a couple of questions that we ask all our guests. Yes. I think we're ready to maybe move on to those. Yeah, I think so. Um, I will start with where is your favorite place to visit in Saskatchewan and why? So, you know, in, in anticipation of this question, I thought, where is it? And every single time I came back to, it is literally our own backyard here in Saskatoon. 
um, Miwasan Valley, our whole riverbank system, uh, provides such a diverse, uh, you know, environment for activity. Like I can hike, I can, I can mountain bike on some pretty technical trails. I can, I can be, you know, one kilometer from my house and feel like I am, I'm in the middle of nowhere. Um, we have such variety and we have a lot of conservation areas. So then there's that whole like biodiversity and, and the educational component that can come with them. Um, I live very close to the swale and it's all connected. And for as much as like, I, I do love to get out of the city and I love to go somewhere. How lucky am I that I live in a city that has this amount of nature right mm-hmm. outside my door. Mm-hmm. Right. And to be honest with you, it's great to go see other places, but I use this backyard daily. So, so to be honest, that's, it's great to go visit, but (laughs) this is home. Right. And I think that's what we've learned over the, you know, this year of COVID is people are starting to see that there's more around them actually than they knew. So it's still my favorite place. I love this river. Awesome. Um, And then lastly, if you could change one thing about the world, what would it be? Reluctantly, I would say cell phones. (laughs) You know, less of them, (laughs) less of them. (laughs) And, you know, here's the thing, like, that's such an open ended question. Like, I wasn't even go down the whole world peace thing. Yeah. So, but I look at how busy I am as a business and as a mom and as a member of our community and everything just comes back to this darn phone and when the phone gets put away you know when it's in a pocket or it's on the shelf and it's just neglected it's different we connect differently we pay attention to each other we see more things around us and and to be honest with you it's a great invention but it's it's changed it's even our kids my kids you know, are more apt to want to play on their phone and connect with TikTokers and they want to go out and build a fort. And part of that is how we manage that, but it's like taking away a security blanket and I hate them. So (laughs) it's a love hate relationship. So if we could just like let the cell, you know, a solar flare, put up the cell phone towers and knock them down every once in a while, that'd be nice. (laughs) Like, I don't know. Societal mandatory two week. Phone yeah. shut down. Except for Every, if you dial nine one one, maybe that's it. Yeah, exactly. Like I still want my my luxury, yeah. right? But <laughs> no, I just um it's redeveloping that relationship with it. And I don't have the answer for it. I just I as a member of this society who uses it a lot, I see the toxicity of it and it's hard to recreate a better balance. It's hard to teach teenagers right now in my home how to change that. And you try to lead by example, but then business calls, it's just, it's a nasty cycle, right? So that would be one thing that, yeah, we could change that, but that's a pie. That's a pie in the sky wish. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Uh, well, Rebecca, it's been uh, awesome chatting with you today. If uh, people want to learn more about you and your work or connect with you, how would they, where would they go? How would they do that? Um, uh, we, well, we're on the Facebook platform. So Back 40 Wilderness First Aid is uh, my little piece of the community. And uh, we're on Facebook and Instagram. And you, they can find us online at back40training.com. And that's that's kind of where we are. So just call me. (laughs) 
on my phone. On your cell phone. phone. Yeah. <laughs> my cell phone. <laughs> wow. Well, well good thanks, day. Rebecca. Thank you. Oh, thank you. No, it's good. It's I I appreciate the opportunity to again say the same things that many people are saying, but to mm -hmm. to be able to be another voice in that, I think it just you're not going to see a lot of conflicting information out there, which is so cool to be in just, you know, one more person in that message. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and I've been so grateful that this like Saskatchewan community has, I don't know, it's, it's really cool to be a small little piece of it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, and connected to such great things too, like to be connected to Sask Outdoors and, you know, to some of the clubs and associations are just, it's just so cool. So mm -hmm. I appreciate the opportunity too. It's equally as appreciated. So cool. Yeah. Well, we're very lucky to have you as part of our community too. Yeah. You bring course. a lot of great things. Yeah. To Sasco Doors and other groups. Derek, what were some of your takeaways from that chat with Rebecca? Um, I think there's lots of, there's a couple things that uh, I really liked. One was, the idea of like practicing with your family as like a, just like a thing to do, you know, like, Hey, we're going to take out a tarp. Even you could even do it in the basement. What, how could we set this up? Or, uh, let's look at this, these gauze rolls or like, you know, we could play doctor or, or just like even pretend, you know, and you could, um, just sort of practice some of those like skills that you might use later, but in like a fun way. Um, to both learn the skills and maybe to kind of take the edge off if you got into a situation where you needed them, that it's maybe remember when we did this at the house. Okay. It's the same sort of thing. You could kind of talk through it and not be like, okay, you got to get this. And everyone's stressed out. Um, the other thing that I really liked was that idea of the, just like the, what if conversations that I think I would, I'll, I'm going to start with my, with my students of like, okay, we're here. What would you do if this happened? What would you do if this happened? It's just like a daily you know, what would you do sort of thing, I think could be kind of fun to, to bring in. What about you, Leah? Mm -hmm. uh, my biggest takeaway is that I need to get a tarp and put it in my backpack. <laughs> every time I hear, every time I hear Rebecca talk, she talks yeah. about tarps and I'm always think I should get a tarp and yeah. uh, this might be the time that I am ready to take the plunge and do it. 2021, like, the year of the tarp. Yeah. The year of the tarp. Um, just as she talks about all the different things that you can do with a tarp, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like all those what if scenarios, it seems like having a tarp. Yeah. Can give you a lot of creativity. Yep. Are there any other actions you're going to take after listening, Derek? I try to, uh, you know, be prepared for everybody, but I like the idea of having conversations and trying to, you know, spread that out a little bit and even like down to my kids, like, what, what could you take? What, what, you know, how can we all kind of be prepared on our own? And I think that would be something that my six-year-old definitely would play into and it'd be, it'd be something fun to do too. What about you? Yeah. Similarly, I think that I want to get my kids carrying some of their own stuff just on a personal level. Mm -hmm. Like as she was talking, I was just picturing the, the situation where you're already carrying like a kid and a bag and another yeah. kid comes up to you and like, can you carry my coat for me? Yeah. <laughs> just shaking your head like, no, I'm, I'm already carrying all of the things. Yeah. Yeah. So I can think, I was just thinking like of all the, beyond just the physical helpfulness of carrying their own stuff, just the responsibility and yeah. um, skills that that might help in part and how that might translate into other parts of their lives. Yeah. We'll see how successful I am. <laughs> you have to do a recap in here. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. time a year from now. Awesome. Well, 
If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you you know share it with somebody else that you think might appreciate it. If you want to keep up to date on all the latest content, make sure you subscribe in whatever podcast listening thing you are using. That's it for us today. Have a great day. This podcast is produced in association with Sask Outdoors. Check us out online at saskoutdoors.org.